And now, the Andy Greenwald Podcast. Andy, Andy. Welcome to the Grandland Network. My name is Andy Greenwald. I am so excited to be joined here in the New York studio by the star, one of the stars, an ensemble cast really, but a star of AMC's great drama, Halt and Catch Fire, the season finale of which aired last night, and we're going to talk about it. Carrie Bechet, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. I'm sorry. I feel like I introduced you and then I downgraded you. What do you Instantly. Mean? Oh, I said yeah. you were a star, and I said, oh, you're just one of a team. <laughs> I like being part of a team. Okay, I'm that's okay good. You weren't offended by that? No, I feel good about it. Okay, I appreciate that. Yeah, my favorite athletic scenario is when two very evenly matched teams yeah. um, battle it out where one team is, like, uh, losing by a little bit for yeah. the entire game. So they're an underdog, so you can root for them. Yeah. Um, and then eventually they come from behind yeah. to win by a small margin at the very end. This is a very specific sports scenario. I know, but it's the best one. So everyone gets to feel good about how they played, and the <laughs> underdog still gets to win at the end. You but know? then people are still upset because they lost. Like the yeah, guys they, they thought they had it the whole time. I know. Does this happen often? Like, or do you really just like cherry pick? I can't <laughs> believe we're talking about this, but do you cherry pick your sports watching only to find that scenario and then DVR <laughs> it and like. No, no, no. I don't seek it out, but I'm just really pleased when it happens. When's the last time that happened? I don't memory? know. I, can't, I don't have a specific instance, but it's just I really like it when it happens. I just want the record to show that you started this off as a sports podcast. It definitely doesn't <laughs> Oh, my have God. To be, we are not going to get very far <laughs> if, if we go into that Okay, well, we have, a lot, we have a lot to talk about. Okay, I'm sorry. I, I will stop. Uh, oh, no, we can do that. I didn't mean to interrupt you. We, we've already come up with a long <laughs> list of topics, including higher education, quantum leap fandom, mm-hmm, yeah. um, flash flood warnings. Like, mm-hmm, there's a lot. Mm-hmm, yeah. Yeah, great. So let's have at it. But we're going to begin. I know that's kind of conventional, but I thought we could begin with Halt and Catch Fire. Great. Um, and we're going to talk about the second season, um, which ended last... Well, if it were, we're, okay, well, let's be honest. Um, it hasn't aired yet. But if it were Quantum Leap, who knows when <laughs> we are It's Quantum Leap. <laughs> and Dean Stockwell, you look great. Um, we're recording it before it's aired, but we will be, the people will have seen it by the time this is airing. So we can, we can get into it. Um, this was... A, I have to say, this was a. I really enjoyed the finale. I thought it was an excellent second season overall. It definitely did not feel like a show that was ready to end on any level. Um, it, in fact, didn't really resolve that much. It opened up so much that I was incredibly excited to immediately watch the next episode, which, of course, hasn't been made yet. Yes, that's true. Great. I'm so glad to hear you're on the edge of your seat. Yeah, it was really an excellent reboot because, or I don't know if reboot, but potentially just a whole new opportunity because everyone's moving to California. Mm-hmm. Um it was also a very Donna-heavy episode in a, some really good ways. Um, I wanted to talk to you about specifically sort of the fulcrum of the episode is the scene that, that Donna and, um, and Gordon share where basically she says... In the oh, baby house? In the baby house. Yeah. Was it comfortable in there? No. <laughs> I feel like it was very cramped. Yeah. It also, it was, it was really rife with memories of my own childhood. Oh. I'm pretty sure we had little baby houses like that. And it was, the um, production design is really spot on. And so, yeah. you know, it's just, you really are facing your own <laughs> your small own self. Childhood memories? Yes. How long were you in there? <laughs> I have a long time. In that baby house? Yeah. That took forever, that scene. <laughs> oh, my God. <sighs> and that we, were, that we filmed that right by a, a like a train and an airport. So just takes a long time because you needed to get out of there immediately like escape <laughs> no oh that for the noise scene specifically like that location is right. yeah so the noise happens so then you just have to that scene it's a pretty uh, heavy yeah, yeah intensity so you just have to like you know stare intensely at scoot <laughs> mcnary for a really long time speaking of magnificent beards yeah 
Scoot, Scoot McNary. Well, he kept taking it away from us. I felt like that was I cruel. Know. He would show up and it would go away this I season and it would come know. back. No, you got to tease it a little bit. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you can't, you can't, you can't put that beard though, right? So then you have to. So you're like, you're like staring intensely and then you're trying to do the scene and then you just wait for the train to go by and you're like, <laughs> do we wait? Do we reset? I don't know. And are you guys um, very like? committed method people like do you stay do you hold the moment do you stay in character in the baby house while the train is rattling by or uh, yeah that... i think you try as much as possible yeah. until you're like you know until the plane starts and you're like so in that scene um donna basically says you know here here are my terms yeah. um i will stay married to you but it's going to cost you money and we're going to move <laughs> and you're going to work for mutiny i really thought that was a a, a fascinating twist because all the characters on the show are constantly making deals and offers. <laughs> Donna often isn't the one getting to do it, but all the characters are making deals, and they generally aren't a hundred percent on the up and up. So when you're doing that scene, like where do you how wh- what line do you play? Like do you feel that she believes one hundred percent that this is going to work and save their marriage, or is she thinking in a more like capitalistic way, like the other characters do? Like this is going to help the other part of her life that is hugely important to her. Oh, now. um I think it's both. I don't think it's like a cold calculating move at all. No. I don't think she's a cold calculating person. Um I think she's a practical person. Yeah. And I think season 1 found their marriage in a very particular moment um and really season 1 in for Gordon and Donna was about Realizing and coming to terms with the fact that something was wrong. Yeah. Like, I think this marriage had proceeded in that manner for a long time, and season one was about the breaking point. And then season two was about their uh, attempt, and maybe they went a little overboard, to try and fix the problem. So yeah. I, what I love about season two between the two of them is that all the mistakes they're making in their marriage are really hopeful, beautiful, compassionate mistakes. He doesn't want to tell her what's wrong because he doesn't want to ruin this opportunity she has. Yeah. Um, you know, she doesn't want to burden him with, you know, inform- like information that she's struggling with because he- she knows he's dealing with a, like a possibly fatal illness. Like they're they're both making their best efforts to make it work, and it's just it just keeps falling apart. So I think her. Um, this is a last ditch effort. This is like a final, like she's positing in that moment an alternative to like our marriage wasn't working. So we tried this other thing and that didn't work either. Right. And you flipped it and we basically flipped the power dynamic right. and that didn't seem to work. Right. Either. So now let's try a middle road. Let's try something else. We, and we'll do the things that we know worked, like she, working together. She is practical. Yeah. That does make sense. I think so. Um, I, one of the reasons why I've really come to love the show is the portrayal of the marriage in which they clearly love each other and you can believe their history together. You know, there's, they're both giant nerds, as we know from The Ring. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, sorry. Thanks, uh, are if you very gurp <laughs> or whatever. Wow. That was, that was really putting yourself out there. Amazing. Amazing. Um, so we believe it, but we also believe that there are realistic challenges. And I feel like that's the kind of... Honestly, the kind of like subtle storytelling that there's rarely room for, even in this supposed golden age of TV. Generally, it's we don't we under we, we just you know if, if someone is married, then that is basically an obstacle for story because it's it's going to get boring. When in fact, it should get much more interesting from that point on. Yeah, I wish I hope you know uh, if we get to go forward with the show, I, the. I love it when these people work together. Yeah, I like it when the op- I like it when the people come together 
to tackle an outside obstacle. Right. It's so often the obstacles are each other. Yeah. Um, uh, so I'd, I'd love to see, like, what their powers combined could really uh, generate. Yeah. You know, so I was also happy that their children were not away at camp and actually played it and were an active role in this final episode with Joni running yeah. away. Yeah. I feel like it's always tricky. I mean, you guys are in it, but it's always tricky to navigate having kids in a scene versus not having kids in a scene. Yeah. And actually using them as the fulcrum of this was really good, I thought. Oh, good. Because yeah. generally, because there were they a lot of times where it's like, for a while yeah, for they're like, they went to camp. Like, oh, they're at their grandma's. Because <laughs> you guys are working some late nights, you know? But it's like how on the Americans, there's never a babysitter. You know, it's just like one oh, extra yeah. thing they don't need to show. We have a babysitter, Rose. That's right. See, yeah. people mm-hmm. are thinking of babysitter. that. Um, yeah, the kids are great. The, those little girls are really wonderful. And yeah, the show is always, you know, I did a lot of, I worked a lot more with them for a season. And um, there's some really, like, lovely, charming scenes between them, I think. Do you think... Um, Obviously, you're invested in the character. Like, we end, though, with a pretty wrenching moment that Donna has in the airplane bathroom before the airplane takes off. Do you believe... I mean, I know we're talking about a fictional character, and there are writers who will dream all of this up, but you're invested. You play this character for two years. Are you optimistic? Like, are you as, as optimistic or at least as practical as the character in terms of how this could work out for her and for them starting over? I don't know. You know, I think there's some really beautiful symbolism about California. We're all going to go to the Golden State. It's all going to work out. um, But California then really was the land of opportunity for businesses like this. Um, Gordon and Donna keep having these, like, come-to-Jesus moments about their relationship. And I don't know that they're destined for success as a married couple. Uh, Just the way that I feel about it. If I were in a relationship like that. Yeah. With that much contention all the time, I, I don't know. Or maybe the point is they've had a lot of really good years. Maybe that's a way to think about it. And they're really invested in each other. Yeah. And times are changing, and their relationship is changing, and they're just navigating this difficult. Um, you know, when when people, I think Donna's really had a revolution in her life. Like yeah. I, I think about this is so silly, but I think about the clothes that I had to wear season one, all those pantyhose and suits and stuff, yeah. and silk bow tie like neck things and yes yeah. it's very put together um and it was such a relief not to have to wear those this season for me and i'm sure for donna too like getting out of the office getting out of that those strictures um and this was a time when women were going to work in record numbers and yes. like um so i don't know maybe this is a, a like a unique moment in their relationship and they'll be able to navigate through it I did notice, and I don't think much was made of it in the episode, but there's a moment where Donna's in the office and she's talking to Cameron, I believe, uh, and the screen is open on her desk and it's like a community screen and she seems to be chatting with someone and saying, like, but I'm married. Yeah. I feel yeah. like that was a little... So there's there's something there's something going on. The the opportunity to meet more people, talk to more people. I mean, maybe she's, oh, interesting. she's cyber flirting That's there. I don't know. Well, yeah, I think that was the idea that it was like, look at this opportunity... Um, but I'm but I'm married, and what does that mean to me right now? Like, what does that mean in my life? It's like a really complicated thing for yeah. Is it going to hold her back, or is it part of something moving right, forward? Right. Um, I want to go back a little bit to um, the beginning of the of the show, um, specifically like when you were cast in the role, when the show was getting started. A TV role is a TV role, and, and work is work, and obviously the script was really good, and the the, the pedigree of the network and everything was really good, but. There has been a checkered history of 
on even with like these great prestige dramas that we've had uh, of the wife, the part of the wife, where I feel like you know on even on some of the greatest shows of the last ten years, the wife has sort of been the buzzkill. Like you can I go out and sell know. your meth, you know, I you can know. go out and, and and whack your enemies in the mob, and I'll scold you, and that's ultimately kind of boring. And what's so wonderful and I, I wish it wasn't revolutionary but it's wonderful about Halt and Catch Fire is that Donna is not that character the Cameron is not the character but if we go all the way back and you get the script and it's it's the wife um, did you have reservations about that? So reading that the pilot script it was very clear instantly that it's a, it was a special special thing yeah. it was such a good script even just on the page you really care about the characters the writing was so good um, and back then you know, the show has changed a lot but back then it felt like a corporate thriller you know yeah. there was some really it was it could have gone in lots of interesting directions um there, even in the pilot, there are a few moments where they tease the possibilities of who this woman might be. That was key, I thought, yeah. Um, it was really important to me. You know, I remember filming, when we shot the pilot, filming the speak and spell scene. The first time I take apart the speak and yes. spell, I'm harried and it's crazy. And I insisted that we, the director was like, oh, no, it doesn't matter. You can, uh, Juan, he's... Uh, I was going to say, does he have an accent? <laughs> no, he, or? he does, he does. Um, <laughs> you are an actor, so I was going to defer to you. That. <laughs> he, um, he was like, it's okay if you fumble with the screwdriver, you're hurried, you know. And I was like, no, I need to be really, I need to be really good at it. Yeah. I need to be exceptional at doing this. It needs to be. So we had to fix it. So it was like super fast yeah. <laughs> um, because that's the moment that it, that your expectations are uh, reversed for her. That's who she is. Yeah. Um, and I, I, so that was really important to me that that play out in the pilot. Um, and then, you know, the Chris, the Chris is um, really. These are the creators of the show. Mm, delivered on the promise of that character. They really uh, allowed those possibilities for her, and then they really delved into it and let her be a complete, whole, vain, ambitious, fallible, yeah. striving, struggling sort of person. She was an alive person. I mean, she wasn't all one thing or all one all yeah. another thing, and that was yeah. really exhilarating to watch. Um, I, I enjoyed the first season, but I've really come to love the second season. And I feel like um, shows can launch with the greatest elements, the greatest cast, um, great writing. Um, but it takes a while sometimes for shows to find themselves. I've, I can't remember an example of a show um, finding exactly the show that it could and should be so completely uh, in a second season. And I was wondering what that was like internally. Like as this... There were the show that that I loved in the second season is there at the end of the first season. Um, when the when you got the call that the show was renewed, um, what were the conversations like internally in terms of the direction that the show would be going in, the way it would be different, um, w whether from the Chris's or Jonathan Lisko, who is your showrunner? Mm -hmm. um, because I found it to be quite remarkable in terms of how. The yeah, show one of the directors in the second season who'd seen everything um, said his. His thought was he'd never seen a show change as much from one season yeah. to another. Um, I think they sat down after the first season, the writers, and they all watched it. And I think they saw what they liked and what they didn't. Um, they saw the possibilities for some of the different characters. Mm -hmm. and, um, and I think they heard some of the feedback um, from the audience and from AMC. And I think they really took all that to heart 
was it exciting for you to find out that you would be in a completely different role, more or less? I mean, not the part was the same, but your role within the show. Um, so much of the first season, you and Scoot were in, in one show, and, and, and Mackenzie and, and Lee were in another show. All of a sudden, you and Mackenzie are sharing most of your screen time yeah, together. Yeah. You're running your own company, and it's yeah. a very different atmosphere. Um, it was a real thrill. I mean, it seemed really, it seemed fun. I don't know if it's actually fun to be stuck in a house like that with that many people in the Mutiny House, <laughs> the but it Mutiny seemed like house, a good time. The Mutiny House is a really, it's a fun place to work. It's chaos. It's, yeah. you know, it's total chaos. Um, it really, the that element really changed the dynamic. That being the core working yes. relationship of season two, as opposed to Cardiff from last year. Yes. Um, really, and you know, the nature of uh, like all of those actors in there. We have all those coder boys who are so legitimately enthusiastic. They seem like, like they're it. truly are, are those, those guys. guys are, are they, were they hired locally, a lot of them? Did a lot of them. In? A lot of them, yeah. Because um, you, guys, you guys filmed in Texas, is that right? Atlanta. In Atlanta, okay. Um, and, yeah, so those guys are having the time of their lives. It must be fun. I mean... Yeah, it's really great. You know, on, when, on The Office, the American version of The Office, they had all their workstations were live, so to make people look like they were really engrossed in playing solitaire because they were <laughs> checking their email. Did you guys ever do that with your Commodore 64? No, there was nothing on nothing those computers real. ever because I don't even Not even, like, even where know. in the world is Carmen Sandiego? Not I know, even. I loved that game. That was, like, a very important game to me. Yeah, it was really good. That was uh, Oregon Trail days. That's a good one, too. Right? I loved Oregon or, Trail. Did you ever have to do Logo? Did you learn... Com- like a logo? Like, the no, little turtle? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's all I thought a Commodore 64 could do. So I'm watching the show, and I'm like, oh, really? You could invent the internet on this? Yeah, I don't know. Misspent youth. I didn't, I know. <laughs> I didn't do it right. I didn't even find Carmen Sandiego. Sorry. Uh, so it was all not It was all not real. It was all not real. You know, it's so funny when with all the techie tech stuff, um, you like take apart the computer and we have this joke where like we're all gathered around the computer with all the parts and we're like, you know, like spitting out all these lines that we don't know what they are. We just learned how to pronounce them, Uh Um, you know, and then at the the end, we get to the end of the scene and we're like, okay, let's get started. And Mackenzie's joke is always she's like, you just just want to touch something. You don't know what you're going to touch. So you're just like reaching at it and you're like, I don't know what this is. Can I get an electrocute? myself i don't know. and then they have to cut away quickly because yeah. you have to make the first because touch with like, authority uh, this is the wire i know so <laughs> you have no idea it's so funny I, I particularly love the dynamic um the, the donna cameron dynamic because again i feel like i have to watch a lot of tv for work and i enjoy some of it and i don't enjoy a lot of it <laughs> and it just seems like not in terms of like equal representation just in terms of opportunities for story having two female characters interact the way these characters did at the forefront of a of a drama series is thrilling. When it's you exciting. say interact when the I, way they did... I, I mean the relationship between Cameron and Donna was complicated. The relationship with them, they weren't besties, they weren't sisters, yeah. they weren't rivals. They were colleagues in a very, very intense and real way. And often they clashed, but often they got along. And the reasons for getting along weren't... Um, always foreseeable you know I, there's the there's i'm sure you've heard of this the, you know the bechdel test oh yeah um oh my god you guys yeah, passed we it. pass with flying that's colors. what was pretty exciting that, yeah. for people who don't know the bechdel test is the idea of like can, can two female characters in a piece of work or piece of art or book or movie or tv have a conversation w- that's not about a man <laughs> yeah and honestly, oh most TV shows fail. I know. The requirements for the Bechdel test are it has to have, um, like, at least two women that have names. Yes. <laughs> and they have to have, uh, they have to be able to have a conversation yes. with each other right. that isn't about a man. Right. 
And you guys passed. <laughs> yes, we did. With flying colors. I know. But it's shocking to me that those are the the requirements are so embarrassingly They're low. So <laughs> low. But like look at what you guys got to do. I know, I know. It was it was a really um it's really fun to get to delve that deep to uh, have that kind of big challenge every day on a daily basis. Also, I should say this group of actors is a really rare yes. assemblage of total eccentric weirdos. I mean, like total weirdos. <laughs> Tell me more. Um, every, I mean, everyone on this show is like just pretty out there, which I love and forget sometimes because we're all together. You know? Yeah. Um, we would, everybody, and I think is a big part of it is because we're in Atlanta, but um, we'd get together on the weekends, just the actors, and have like, you know, the rehearsal day just for us to read the new episode, to yeah. ask questions. Somebody's like, I hate the scene. And then somebody else is like, why do you hate that? I love that scene for yeah. you. This is why, you know, um, nice. to really kind of figure it out, to kind of try to figure out some of the tech stuff, to try and like, you know, just get together. I, and that never happens. That yeah. never happens. Do you think being away from New York or L.A. helps with that? I, mean, I do. I do. Place. I think it's hard on all of us for different reasons to sure. have to live away from home for a third of the year. Yeah. But um, but that, I, I think, is a really good positive outcome of that, that we're all super committed. You did also say that everyone was super out there. So I, yeah, I'm going to need some examples. Weirdos. I feel like okay. I, I, as a journalist, Kenzie I have is to. is into taxidermy of reptiles. What? Reptile taxidermy. Literally, we were all meeting at the park in Atlanta, and I walked by a squashed snake on the sidewalk, and I took a picture of it, yeah. and I showed it to her, and she was like, oh my god, I love it. I was like, I knew you would. And she's like, can we walk back there? What? Do you know where it was? Can we walk back there on the way? <laughs> um, so we wa- I walked by her so she could pick it up and put it in her bag. She picked it up and put it in her bag? Mm-hmm, yeah. It, wait, I thought taxidermy was like, you go to weird old estate sales and buy foxes. You yeah, don't, like, she also pick does that, but some reptiles for her. I'm sorry. But please forgive I, don't, me. I also don't want to say, Mackenzie is a lot of different things, sure. and a reptile taxidermy enthusiast is merely one of them. Merely the most fascinating at this exact moment. Um, <laughs> it's just a good example. Did, did she taxiderm the snake? Um, I don't know what she did is with that the a verb? snake. It should be. It is. Thank you. Very polite. Um, <laughs> Taxidermized. So you don't know what happened to the snake? I don't. I don't. Aside from it being folded in a piece of notebook paper and put in her backpack. If she's listening, take it out of the backpack. Maybe she <laughs> forgot. Okay. So that no one's going to top that. No one could be more out there than uh, that. I mean, they're all pretty weird. Toby Huss makes uh, sculptures out of found objects that he finds on the street. He's what if, also one of the funniest people. What if he finds a snake? He'll give it to Mackenzie. Okay, see, I just want to make sure that's a good that's a good uh, relationship. Yeah, yeah. He um, found objects like, like I think like garbage in L.A. <laughs> he's also got I think he's got a collection of typewriters that's like in the main number. I mean numbers in at least the hundreds of okay. typewriters, which I love. I love typewriters too. So that's so that's something you could talk about on set, like in typewriters. the down moments, typewriters. <laughs> or Toby, Toby is yeah. incredible. Toby's a comedian. Yeah, he Toby's was, hysterically funny. Yeah, and he's really made a meal out of this character in yes. a way that I am so impressed by. It's a terrific character. Yeah, um, I feel like he didn't give them a choice; they had to write for him. <laughs> yeah, because the way that he was and the way he delivered those lines, and then all of a sudden he becomes crucial. And you just love him. You just yeah. love him. But he played the emotion scenes, the emotional scenes this year incredibly well. Yeah, I think maybe he doesn't get the chance to do that enough and so yeah. he was really because well, he, 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 he he's so expressive, you know, so that the scenes yeah. with his, his son and the family and it's just you, you you got the sense of this person who has basically been ruined but refuses to allow it to define him. I mean, it's a pretty yeah. amazing mini arc within the show. Yeah. Um yeah. 
Okay, I, I just need two more examples of, of um, your behavior. Feel free to include yourself, because I'm very curious what you pick up off the street and collect. Oh, uh, I, yeah, I don't know if that's my weird thing. Well, I, Lee built his own, um, like, farm barn. He built a barn using, as far as I understand, like, ancient building techniques and, like, no power tools or something. What? Yeah. I know it's crazy, and Scoot has a ranch in Texas, and he, he like ranches. He also was a, like a botanist. He was like a tree doctor. Why is anyone acting? Like these all seem much more interesting. To <laughs> be know, honest, like you guys do great work, but like <laughs> I know, but Scoot was a tree doctor. I mean, yeah, exactly. Why wouldn't you keep doing that? Trees keep getting sick. Yeah. Um, how? What's it like working with Scoot and being married to him so much all so the time? So much in the nineteen seventies and eighties. That's true. <laughs> Basically, when I think of that period now. Ranging from the 70s to the 80s, I just picture you as, like, the er couple. Because yeah. for, I'm sure people listening understand that you guys were married in the Academy Award-winning film Argo. That's right. Uh, and then immediately jumped forward a decade to be married in Hall and Really Fire. funny. Just two years, actually. Were you eager to be married to him again? Um... It was it was nice to know somebody going <laughs> yeah. into a big commitment like that. It, yeah. was, it was so ironic. It was so bizarre. Yeah. Um, what I really love is that I think those two marriages are very, very different. I think yeah. I was actually really proud of um, the relationship that we made in Argo. Yes. It felt very period to me in a way that with the amount of and type of material that we had to work with mm-hmm. um, in that script that we could find like a real nuanced, really uh, like true feeling relationship where the wife felt very much like she wields very soft power in that relationship. Um, She really has to kind of protect his feelings of, you know, pride and confidence. Yeah. Um, But I was going to say the other thing about it, you definitely conveyed that, but I think what was remarkable about that movie, especially in retrospect, is that all of the characters with the hostages were palpable. You were characters. Like, you were able to with not, I wouldn't say limited screen time, but you certainly didn't have as much opportunity to define yourselves as some of the other characters who were rescuing you, let's say. Yeah. Um, You were all memorable. You all had personalities within that. And I think that was... Ben did such a good job. He was great. You know, one of the things that um, I remember about that process is uh, Ben really ran the gamut from, like, if you were to ask me, like, what kind of director is he... Should I ask you that? Um, Do you want me to write that down? <laughs> I'm going to answer it. That was a good question. You could ask me. Okay. Um, we'll get to Quantum Leap later. Yeah, that's Great. still here. Um, I've said everything I know about Quantum Leap already. Yeah, but not when we were recording. <laughs> so that was all pre-interview. Um, so the there were moments uh, in Argo where Ben would get so specific about what he wanted and what the shot was, he'd correct the angle of your hand on someone's shoulder. You know, super hyper-specific. And then there were times when we would, he'd say, okay, um, we're just going to improvise. And we would do... Your hand placement, he would say? um, uh, No, like an entire scene. He'd like send us into the kitchen and he'd be like, okay, we're going to light this corner. And then what do you guys want? And we'd be like, I don't know. Could it be like 
messy after dinner party and they're like great so then they fill they light they fill up the kitchen huh. with like tons of stuff and then he just lets us go until the film shooting on film until the cameras roll two cameras rolling for eight minutes just how long you can get yeah. on a roll of film um, for eight minutes he's in the other room like screaming every once in a while to like kind of make us freak out or like he'll send another character in with a platter no script no just to make it organic in terms of your yeah. reactions and your relationship to yeah. each other and you know and like he'd shout ideas maybe some sometimes or that's amazing um, yeah so it like it ran the gamut from totally free form yeah to um, very highly specific huh. and I think that's a really interesting quality in that movie um, yes that it, it can really successfully blend those styles and well, what's so enter- I mean it was an incredibly entertaining movie which I think is maybe the most underrated part of it it was a blast yeah. to watch it um, beginning to end but I think what you're saying makes a lot of sense because it had to move along a track so he had to keep the the trains running and the hands placed correctly but it felt lived in you know the track felt it wasn't the first time down it almost it was there was an organic feel Mm. to the movie yeah so i think those moments where we got to improvise for you know and then we do it again so we did 16 minutes we had two two takes of me and scoot just like figuring out in the kitchen it's incredible being like let's move to texas (laughs) let's start a computer company I know, right? They're Just. like, oh, the Foreign Service thing didn't really work out. So <laughs> we had a bad experience. The, <laughs> Joe to, and Kathy Stafford yeah, we had to go have undercover. kids and do tech. <laughs> Why not? It's the 80s, reinvention. Um, I, 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 we're going to get to Quantum Leap, but I, I did have an Argo <laughs> question, which is you have the not common experience of being in a film that won Best Picture. So my question is, when that was happening, that ride, the movie was on that ride, and it culminated in, in the yeah. Oscar... Were you able to be a part of it? Do you get invited to the Oscars, to the parties, to everything? Or are you working on another job? Are you back in New York? Like, how connected are you to the experience of the movie's victory? Um, with that, I was a, I got to be, a, like, a part of it. Um, that sounds fun. I wouldn't want to miss that. I feel like it would be... It was... It's a great experience to have had... Yeah, um, but like I didn't get to go to the like I didn't go to the Oscars, right. which probably would have been cool. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. but we did. You know, we were all at like the SAG Awards, and we all won one That's for right. ensemble acting, which I think is great. Ensemble acting movies are really rare, and it just felt really what a great. That's like an award for teamwork. Are you? I sus- love that. This is, are we, this is great. This came full circle. <laughs> so it was a nice thing that I said you were part and of the ensemble. And we were kind of the underdog. Lincoln was supposed to win. Like, oh, what would that guy ever do? Come on. Um, I like that you guys were gunning for Lincoln. That feels like inappropriate. That is inappropriate. Yeah, that's um, a bad chapter in American history. So, so it was fun to be a part of that thing. It, it was a. I love the movie. It's a great movie. I'm really proud yeah. of it. Um, all of that was great. I remember going to. The, a Golden Globes party is nearing the end of the night, and there's these people who are saying, um, reminding people they need to get their parking validated. Yeah. And this woman uh, overhears them saying this, and um, she says, um, I need validation. <laughs> I need validation. <laughs> That's. That's the best LA story ever. I was like, I know. It was so, I couldn't believe it. She was this far away from me, and I was like, perfect. It's perfect. Get get me on the plane back to New York immediately. It also makes you want to be like, your hair looks great. Yeah. Or just be like, you'll never find it in this town. Run. I know. Run. Oh, it was so perfect. So, 
you know, I'm proud of the movie. It was like it was great. The movie is separate from the award stuff, and actually, those things don't have a whole lot to do with the with quality sometimes. Right. So, um, wait, what? <laughs> we'll revisit that. Um, but that, so I think about you know, like it was a great time, and I also think about that woman. That woman sums it up. Um, I did want to revisit one thing that we spoke about that's not quantum leap, uh, but before the interview. Um, I really like this idea. You said that you pitched an idea for Halt and Catch Fire <laughs> leading into season two. I really wanted the product, you know, so it's about these people making computer products, and I really wanted um, the thing that they're making to be unveiled, and you realize it's it's a technology that does not yet exist. See, I love this. And you think you've been watching a period drama this whole time. It's grounded in, like, 1982, yes, 93, yeah, real, We recognize it. Yeah. There's things we know about this period. Um, and then you realize that we're in, like, a universe slightly askew of yeah. ours. I think did they did they just nod and smile? No, they laughed and laughed. And I was like, no, I'm not kidding. <laughs> I'm serious. They really want this to happen. And then did the laughter stops and they backed away? Uh, or? Yeah, kind of. I feel like I think season three with jetpacks really would. I mean, that would boost I think ratings. It would be awesome. People teleportation, love, man. What about just hoverboards? Everyone still wants hoverboards. Hoverboards, yeah, very eighties. I, I think it's a very good idea. Um, that probably won't. I feel happen like you think I'm three. kidding too. No, I don't. I love this. Also, I mean, there are very few things you can do on TV to, like, really jolt audiences at this point. And you do the season-long con, not just, like, two episodes yes. and they're in a different universe or whatever. Yeah. But you don't expect that's what the show is and then it's that show. Yeah. Also, why not? Because, frankly, shows that are too <laughs> yoked to history get they, they get kind of draggy. I mean, I, I'm not going to ask you to say anything untoward about other people's TV shows. But I wrote about Masters of Sex recently, which I really liked for a while. And now it's like, well, they can't break up because they were together for 40 more years so it's like where's the drama coming from right so i'd rather i think i'll show like called and catch fire well yeah it's more think, interesting because you guys can be fluid within a period and i i think one of the issues with a show especially a technical show like this i don't know that the general public knows that they were together for 40 more years um spoiler alert sorry <laughs> but uh with technology we know where it went we know where it's headed. We know where it went. So where did it be go? Great to, oh, uh, right here. iPads. It and, went here yeah. to a podcast. That's right. It all you guys did great culminated work. Culminated in <laughs> yeah. this moment. Congratulations. <laughs> um, as of this moment, um, in uh, in July, where do you guys have any sense of a third season? Do you do you know? I anything? don't know anything about anything. Do you have a Do you have good vibes? Do you have a lucky totem? Or is it just radio silence until suddenly it's... Um, yeah, I think, you know, you get some phone calls and people are like, we love... It's been going great. We love season two. Good luck. I don't know. I don't do know. They, do they hang up? Because <laughs> that doesn't sound like a renewal. <laughs> That's just like a weird prank phone call. Um, yeah, no, I don't know. No, I just... I don't know anything. I don't know anything about anything. So, so you're just operating like... You're a free agent. You could do other no, things. No, I'm not. No, I'm I'm tied to them until they decide not to pick us up. Are them. you chafing at the at the at the, oh, at it'll, the rope? It'd be great to know. It'd yeah. be, it would just be good to know. I hate not knowing, I, but I also have no control over it. So that's true. And I'm really stressing you out. But I do feel like I feel like the show going to California. It's like this is maybe the show it always could have or should have been. I love the idea of them going to the biggest stage because yeah. the Texas thing was fascinating, and it was I, I didn't have have any idea about this sort of alternate place where this was mm-hmm. all happening. But after a while, it's like, well, why? All the story might be there, so go, go there. Yeah, all kinds of opportunity. All kinds of opportunity. Um, finally, Carrie, I, I know I have to let you go, but I should bring up Quantum Leap, which I believe is your favorite show of all time. <laughs> I, I just, you know, this idea about our technology, like, I'm, it just feels like a, a ploy for me to turn the show that I'm on into Quantum Leap. Yeah. 
how do, so if we invent time travel then I also get to be in all kinds of different time periods I would really like to be in a corset I've never done a movie in a corset I you don't could, know why no one wants on a horse something on a horse just anything on a horse yeah like and if and if I got if I successfully turn Halt and Catch Fire into a show yes. a little more like Quantum Leap if I just introduce time travel I think that's then really then I think you know I could make really all my smart. dreams come true we want this, but that's really smart because basically as a working actor, you, there's always the tension between stability, like steady jobs are good, and also the opportunity to develop a character over time as yes. you've been able to do with Donna. But it can be limiting because it's one yes. character. Yeah. If you could be... If you could be... Scott Bakula. A Scott Bakula. Oh my God, what a dream. What a dream. Um, <laughs> wow. Well, I feel like we've covered a lot. I feel like we've learned a lot. Um, <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like I got dumber. <laughs> Don't. Absolutely not. I feel like we were chipping away like an ice sculpture, and we found the truth at the end of this oh, interview. Oh, that's great. I love that. Yeah. It's, we, we started with sports, and we ended up with Scott Bakula. And there was a Full circle. great episode of Quantum Leap where he quantum leapt into the body of a, of a pitcher, like in a baseball game. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, we are really full circle. And I always thought about that, and like I wouldn't try to pitch if that happened to me. I would just fake an injury immediately. Oh, because he doesn't know how to pitch? He doesn't pitch. know how to pitch, but he's like throwing the ball. But because he's got Bakula, he can, you know, he can get the ball. But the muscle plate. memory is a real thing. I feel like <laughs> yeah, but- I know body swapping isn't a real thing, but still, I have a feeling like, your body would remember how to throw a ball. You're assuming way too much about me, but that's very nice. <laughs> very nice. Um, probably the best place to end it where I'm being complimented for my athletic ability. Um <laughs> Carrie, thank you so much for taking this, this time such a pleasure. to talk to me. Congratulations on all the great work on Halt and Catch Fire. I hope also people listen to you in the writer's room going forward. I mean, I hope it gets a third season, <laughs> but I really want time travel. I do, too. Um, so fingers crossed for that. We'll start an internet, you know, thing. That's just that what happened. they call it. Yeah, internet, yeah, internet thing. thing. Started here. <laughs> thank you so much. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Grantland. To hear more Grantland shows in your earballs, subscribe to Grantland Sports and Grantland Pop Culture on iTunes. Or go to grantland.com and click on podcast.